it is very much a job seekers market right now. The unemployment rate is low. Um, companies are hiring like crazy, and they want talented, engaged individuals um, to join their ranks. And this is true from Alabama to Austin to, uh, you know, Syracuse. Everywhere is hiring right now. Um, and so the, the ball is really in the job seekers court. It's a good time to be working in America. This is Hit Refresh, a podcast for anyone who's stuck and needs a fresh start. I'm Otta Bernier, a self-taught coder, educator, and CEO and founder of Skill Crush, an interactive learning community that teaches total beginners the tech skills they need to get into better, higher-paying careers with real mobility. Twice a month, we talk about what it looks like to work in tech and why I think that learning tech skills is a single best career decision any forward-thinking professional can make. But when I say working in tech, I'm not talking about moving to Silicon Valley or getting a computer science degree or magically transforming into a young white guy wearing a hoodie and coding all night. Because at Skill Crush, we know that tech is for everyone. Job hunting is nobody's favorite thing to do. There's so much at stake. We're talking your livelihood, what you do all day long, how much money you make, how you're contributing to the world. Oof. And there are so many moving parts and important but small details. Where do you look for jobs? How do you know if you're qualified? What should your resume say? And what about the interview? It's enough to make anyone tear their hair out. So if you are currently looking for a new job, I want you to know that if what you're doing feels hard, it's because it is hard. But you're not in this alone. As you might guess, I'm constantly talking to our students about looking for jobs. And whenever I get the chance to talk to a student who's looking for work, I always tell them my best piece of job hunting advice, even though I know it's the hardest advice to follow. You should approach your job search like a learning experience where you test and learn until you get it right. Most importantly, don't judge yourself as you go through the process. Try not to think about each new job you apply to as the one, the job to end all jobs, the job that will solve all of your problems, because even if it feels true at the time, there is no job that will solve all your problems. Nothing will solve all your problems. Let me just break it to you right now. Being alive means having problems no matter what your job is. All right, now that I've lectured to you about your job hunting mindset, it's time for some nitty-gritty tactics on how to nail the job hunt. Our producers, Julia Sunnenshine and Haley Wolf, have the story. The job search can be overwhelming and full of anxiety, And it can be doubly so if you've been out of the game for a while, or if you're changing careers. I'm relatively new to Skill Crush, and I remember that when I was on the job market, I couldn't find concrete answers to my questions about what it looks like to land a job. So, I went and got answers to every question I had. Awesome. Well, my name is Amy Lisa Jackson, and I am the editorial director here at Glassdoor. Amy Lisa ran me through the specifics, beginning with basics. How do you even start to look for a job? 
I do think that when before you kind of start your job search process, really getting clear about what you want um, is the first step. Do you want an open office environment? Do you want a closed door? Do you want a casual environment? Um, and that's true for the senior executive, and it's true for the intern or new hire. Um, you always want to take a look at what interests you most, not just in terms of skill and job description, but also how you want to spend your days. Like I said, basics. It's important to note here that there are a lot of little practical things to remember when beginning your job search. Like when you're reading job descriptions, how many of the qualifications should you fit? How much should you assume you can learn on the fly? This is particularly important for women. We usually apply to jobs only if we are 100% qualified for them. Well, guys tend to wing it a little more. And there's hard data to back that up. I'll let Julia explain. Just popping in to say that this is a real thing. An internal Hewlett-Packard report found that men tend to apply for jobs when they meet only 60% of the qualifications, whereas women apply if they meet 100% of them. To quote Huffington Post editor Chloe Angel, Lord, give me the confidence of a straight white man who has read one book on the topic. Back to Amy, Lisa, and Haley. I personally really recommend that um, a job seeker try to match about 80% of the qualifications. I think that's a safe zone where you're confident that you could perform the job, but you'd also be able to kind of stretch and learn that extra 20%. Some qualifications have a little wiggle room, like the number of years of experience. However, some areas are set in stone. For example, if you're applying to a sales manager position, um, but you have no sales experience, you probably shouldn't apply. But if it's just a regular sales role, you can definitely wing it. Okay, so once you found this listing, what do you do with your resume? Do you just, like, send it in? Amy Lisa says not so fast. In fact, she has three key resume tips. I've interviewed dozens of recruiters and hiring managers, uh, and they say that a winning resume has a few, like, amazing qualities. Okay, number one, your resume needs to quantify your impact. Quantify your impact. So you've got to really make it obvious uh, with data how you have impacted the business in work you've done previously. Um, and so even if you are new to the field or job market, you can quantify your impact in college classes or other work, volunteering, etc. Number two. Customize your resume for each and every job. Each and every job. You want relevant skills and experience on your resume. These days, it's key to have a resume that's customized to the role you're applying for. You should include some of the same language from the job description around skills and responsibilities into the resume that you're using to apply for this job. So, of course, you should be honest, but you should make sure that the skills you have and that you're presenting on your resume line up with the job description. Number three, make sure it's easy to read. All recruiters and hiring managers love a well-organized and formatted resume. It should be very clear, very concise. Don't go crazy with Etsy downloadable templates. Like, I love them too, but fight the feeling. <laughs> you want it to be simple and consistent. And then lastly, the thing that we all take for granted um, when we're job searching is spelling and grammar and accuracy. Spell check multiple times and have a friend review your resume. If you're furiously taking notes right now, don't panic. We partnered with Amy Lisa and Glassdoor to make a free downloadable guide with all of this info. 
just head over to skillcrush.com slash new job. Okay, great. You sent in your resume, you heard back, now you have the interview. How do you prepare for the interview? Especially if you're a nervous person, like I am. So we all get nerves. Um, We are all anxious before the interview. But what recruiters and hiring managers that I talk to say is they really want informed candidates, people who are well-researched, engaged, and have the right qualifications. So you've done your research, you know what it is you really want, and you really do like this company. A lot of people fail to do this, but it's important. Okay, but how do you get informed about a company? Good news. It's as simple as a quick Google search and a little bit of time spent on social media. Check out their Twitter handle. What are they saying on LinkedIn? What's the latest article about them in the New York Times? And so making sure in your preparation before the interview that you're as informed about a company as possible will make you a better candidate um, and more likely to be hired. The other big thing in preparing for an interview is... Practice, practice, practice. You should also prepare anecdotes about, you know, how you solved a challenging problem at work or um, about how you would talk about that gap in your resume or why your skills from one profession um, are transferable to this new field. Great. Now, what else should you be looking out for during your interview? One of the biggest um, sort of mistakes that job seekers make when they are in an interview is they forget to ask informed questions of their hiring manager or the people that they're interviewing with. Like, how does this position contribute to the larger organization's success? Or, can you walk me through your typical workday? How does employee feedback get incorporated into the day-to-day? Amy Lisa is such an expert. I had to ask her opinion on how to deal with my own personal point of anxiety when it comes to job interviews. How the heck do you respond when someone asks, what's your greatest weakness? Ugh. The what's your greatest weakness question is one that gets everyone. It's tricky because you don't have to give a gimmicky answer um, about sort of, oh, my biggest weakness is I'm a perfectionist or I'm a workaholic. Like that is not honest and the recruiter or the hiring manager will know that that is not it. So instead of softballing this, you really want to focus on what is a weakness that you really want to work on. Perhaps a weakness is that you're not as good at coding as you want to be. And so currently you're enrolled in a SQL training course. You want to make sure that they don't think it's something that is a shortcoming you aren't trying to address or don't want to fix. And so identify that weakness um, and then say how you're trying to remedy it or how you have been working towards improving. No need to, no need to panic when you get the what's your greatest weakness question. It's all about balance. The best way to address these moments of anxiety is to put them in the context of where you're applying and what you want to do, and then attack them in a very logical way. Got it. So I listened to most of this podcast. I fixed my resume and had a great interview. I'm laying in bed, coming down from that high, and I am trying to formulate the follow-up email in my head. What am I going to write? If your grandmother did not teach you, a thank you note goes a long way. Okay, so 
When you're in your interview, you should be sure to get the contact information of all of your interviewers at the end of the interview. Um, I know that seems like overwhelming, especially in a panel interview where there's probably six people in the room. And don't hesitate to ask um, because you want to follow up with each of the people that you've interviewed with. You really want to thank each interviewer and for the opportunity um, that they provided in taking time to speak with you. And then don't hesitate to include a reference about something you two spoke about. Um, So you should send that follow-up email either that night or the next morning. You want to stay on their minds and reinforce why you're perfect fit for the job. There's one more thing I wanted to address with Amy Lisa. What about those of us re-entering the workforce? Let's face it, there's a lot of anxiety around coming back onto the job market after a long break or around transitioning from one field to another. What's the secret to starting strong and setting yourself up for success? One of the first things I would suggest a transitioner do is really write down those hard and soft skills. Those skills that you have, whether that's good communication, which is an example of a soft skill, um, or a technical skill such as Python, or, you know, being able to operate a certain type of machinery or a certification you've received. There's nothing better than a boost when you're kind of looking at a sheet of paper that's got all your skills and you're like, you know what? I'm kind of a badass. Like, I do have something to offer. Don't hesitate to talk to other career transitioners. Um, You know, you can see what other people have done, either through social media or talking to friends or mentors. Don't think that you're the only one in that boat. So many people are transitioning careers or are coming back into the the career space or the professional space, either from raising children or traveling or taking care of an elderly parent. Feeling ready to get hired? Don't worry, we've still got one more segment to get you prepped for finding your dream career. Right, Julia? Hey, when we come back, we're going to tackle my least favorite thing, networking. Apparently, it doesn't have to be painful at all. We'll see. mentioned reaching out to people, which sounds suspiciously like networking, which is... I bet in 10 minutes or less, I could change your mind about networking. Are we betting money? Hi, this is Jen Dezura from Get Bullish for Feminist Productivity Badass. Jen has been giving her brand of aggressive lady advice for years now. As a writer, educator, speaker, mentor, you name it. She also writes Slay and Get Paid, a monthly column on Skill Crush's blog, which is your go-to resource for that freelance life. Um, how's your morning going? Oh, it's pretty good. How about yourself? It's been, it's been really nice. I'm just kind of enjoying cozying up because uh, the weather is so cold. Uh, it was, yeah, do terrible. this for the rest of the winter. <laughs> Not looking forward. Haley, this is kind of a long intro. We can probably cut it. Just stick with it. Just give it a sec. I actually bought some uh, snow pants uh, the other day, like actual like ski pants with the little overalls attached. Nice. And Okay, yeah, we, we can keep rolling on that. I have never skied, and I have no intention of ever skiing. It does not sound like fun, but I'm going to wear the ski pants. I'm just going to wear them, and I'm going to make them look good. It's going to be an awesome look for me, but I'm going to be wearing the ski pants all winter. That's great news. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> it's my new thing. 
after the ski pant uh, sort of segue, I think that's a really natural <laughs> segue to talk about uh, networking. Okay, so Julia, you're obviously not alone in hating networking for maybe obvious reasons. I mean, it's awful. Of course people don't like things that are objectively terrible. Like, let's stand around and have awkward conversations with strangers where we pretend we don't want something from them, but we kind of do. And also, like, you're drinking out of a plastic cup, usually. And I think it's totally justified to acknowledge that most networking events are pretty terrible. Yes, okay, it's terrible. Let's throw the whole thing out. Eh, Keep your ski pants on. Uh, But I think uh, there's a really big difference between networking events and networking, and I think there are a lot of other options that are more palatable and more honest and more enjoyable and so on. Involves sitting, more sitting. (laughs) Okay, great. Okay, so there are lots and lots of things that you can do to start with social media. You know, you're sitting at your desk, you're probably doing it already, you're on your couch, you're on your phone, whatever. Um, Have you ever heard of, like, reading a book and then, like, you know, tweeting an intelligent question at the person who wrote it? You know, like, that's a great way to start networking. Um, I would say compliments in general are a great way to network. It doesn't have to be authors. It doesn't have to be famous people. It can be people who wrote articles, um, people who wrote blog posts, just people who you saw speak at an event. Um, Tweeting compliments and questions at people is a great idea. And, of course, you know, people enjoy when you uh, promote their things for them or you tweet just about them and don't even demand anything. Uh, You know, you post on LinkedIn that you really enjoy their book or something like that. All of that is networking. And if you can, rather than just kind of, uh, you know, cheerleading in the background, if you can actually engage in some kind of one-on-one interaction with the person, uh, you know, I really enjoyed your article, I have a question, or would you mind if I quoted your article in my article, or, uh, you know, do you ever speak at an event in Chicago? Uh, any of those kinds of things where you have a little bit of a one-on-one interaction. I mean, frankly, the person is more likely to remember that than they are to remember shaking hands with you at, at an event where they shook hands with 20 other people. So all those things count. I mean, and that's stuff you can do, like, with no pants. No pants. Stuff you can do with no pants is really speaking to me. No pants. I thought it might. Okay, so then there's ways to actually host your own networking event in a totally not awful way. You know, another thing I think is really underrated as a networking possibility is hosting your own event. And uh, I'm saying this from the perspective of someone who's probably not a social butterfly and doesn't want to put on a party. Friend Jennifer Wright has been running an article club for a couple of years. And an article club is exactly what it sounds like. It's like a book club, but you read articles. And oftentimes the articles are things that are related to business or related to, you know, generally like articles about feminism in the Atlantic, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where I go to Jennifer's apartment and maybe 10 people are sitting around her couch and there are mini cupcakes and there's wine and we talk about articles in the Atlantic. You know, <laughs> like that is so much more palatable to me because uh, they're sitting, right? People that I already know. <laughs> um, no one shakes hands. That would be weird. Um, and it's a great time. Why aren't we part of one of these? We'd have to put pants on. Fair point. Hosting your own event can be a fantastic way to network. And, you know, honestly, if what you host is a brunch at a restaurant, uh, how many people need to have a good brunch? Like three? You know, five, that's a great number. That's all you have to do. You know, if you are a big introvert, you really just need like one or two extroverts in your life. Uh, And you invite to these things, you know, you like kind of send them an email every now and then. There are some people who live to like send e-introductions to people and like hook everybody up. That's their thing. And if that's not you, you don't have to make that you, but you do want to just know a few of those people. If you invite somebody like that to your brunch or your article club, they're probably going to show up late and leave early because they have a lot of other events. And that's okay. We can all be different. You know, know, that uh, your introverted, you know, friends and coworkers are going to, you know, have like a long leisurely brunch discussion about, you know, whatever the topic is. 
and your extroverted uh, friends or colleagues are going to pop in, uh, but then they're going to hit you up, you know, later with emails with 100 contacts or something like that and take all kinds. I think that what Jen also makes clear is that something many of us hate about the idea of networking is interacting with strangers in this nebulous, blech world of pitching ourselves to them. No, thank you. Ugh, the worst. The absolute worst. And you know, honestly, the elevator pitch thing, uh, you know, I'm pretty good on my feet. If you ask me for an elevator pitch, I'll pull one out of my ass, you know, like, sure. But uh, I would much rather be in a room with people or sitting at brunch with people who already know who I am because they read something that I wrote or they heard me on this podcast or we have been retweeting each other for years. And that's really possible. You don't have to be a famous, you know, a famous person or a jackass. You know, like, everybody knows my name before I walk in the room. Like, <laughs> you know, I think if you said that in 1995, you're a jackass, you know, or you're just genuinely really famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in 2017 and beyond, that's completely reasonable. And I just, I don't think that the, uh, you know, elevator pitch to strangers thing is as fundamental a piece of the mix as it would have been in 1995. Pathways between us have changed. So in some ways, we're like way more reachable to each other. Absolutely. So the idea here is that networking can look a ton of different ways. And it's about finding the right one for you. Sure. You know, I would say for anybody, uh, networking is something that should be somewhere on your calendar. And for some people, that might be four conferences a year. And for some people, that might be an hour a week on Twitter. Um, So you need to have, I would say, sit down and say, if I were going to add something to my calendar now that is networking, what would be realistic and what would I not hate? You know, so if you're going to put like, yes, I'm going to go to three networking events after work in the evening in my town in the winter and I'm going to shake hands. You know, if you hate yourself as you're putting it in your calendar, then don't put that in your calendar. Okay. So how would I decide what's best for me? Well, it depends. You know, it's a great question. I mean, if I think a lot of times this really just varies based on where you live, what the environment is. You know, when I live, uh, so I live in New York right now, and when I go to something that's called a networking event, it's often, it's a party and dudes hit on you, and (laughs) they're all women networking events, which I like a lot more, Um, but there's definitely more of, uh, you know, like social life and work really blend together, um, and that's just a New York kind of thing. When I lived in Virginia, I used to run a web development company in Norfolk, Virginia, and networking events there were held in, like, very well-lit places at 5 p.m., and everyone was shaking hands and, like, exchanging business cards, and, you know, some dudes would still hit on you, but uh, nevertheless, (laughs) there was, like, there was a cheese plate, and everyone left at 6.45. (laughs) It was really specifically, like, more of a work event. Um, And, uh, wow, that was a really evocative memory, and I I forgot what the question is, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, people sometimes look at networking as something that you just should do um, just because, because it's virtuous. And it's helpful to have a goal in mind. So if you're in more of um, an unfocused part of your career, like you're just, you know, kind of looking for new opportunities, you're not sure what they're going to be, then I would say you want to get out there and you want to probably go to events that have nothing to do with you and just try to meet a variety of people. If what you're looking for is to fill a sales pipeline, then again, you don't need to hide that. Um, it's perfectly acceptable to say to people, um, you know, you can hang out with people and like meet cool new friends and you can say, you know, my ideal client is a real estate agent who is looking to put their listings online or something like that. And just tell people that in a really direct way, like you're not sneaking it in there. Did you catch that? Just tell people that in a really direct way. Jen just brought up a super interesting point about why you might hate networking. Because it's pure misery? I mean, yeah, but also for a reason you're going to find super compelling socialization. Something I've just noticed over 
many years of, you know, what I have been doing in uh, writing about careers and business and giving advice, um, there are just, I see a lot of, uh, I think there's something about being socialized female, I don't know, but people who act sneaky about things that they don't have to be sneaky about. You know, like it's a dirty secret that you're selling something and that you have a business that, that you need customers for. That is so on point. We're all told it's gauche to talk about money, but especially marginalized people who are told not to ask for what they want, not to take up space. Of course networking feels gross. It's a way of getting what you want, and we're not supposed to. Totally. It's like how when I was first starting out, I used to follow up on late invoices by starting with sorry. It's funny you should mention that. Um, in one case, I actually had someone I was working with um, at a publication, and I sent them an invoice, and the invoice was late. And I said, hey, can you check up on this with accounting, make sure this invoice gets paid? And she said, oh, you know, I, I went into the, the accountant's office and, like, snuck the paper onto the top of a stack of papers. You know, like she was really doing me a solid by sneaking this piece of paper. I'm like, no, like there's no secret here. There's nothing sneaky. Nobody's doing anything wrong. Don't act like you're doing something wrong when you're not doing something wrong. So it's just behavior that I see a lot. And I occasionally find myself doing something like that. And I say, cut it out. You know, like it's, there's nothing wrong with having a business and wanting customers who pay you money for value that you provide. I mean, how can you not believe Jen? Networking actually isn't the worst. Yeah, she makes a very compelling case. And it doesn't sound gross. It, it. I don't know, she described things that sound like fun. Yeah, exactly. So do you believe me now? I bet in 10 minutes or less, I could change your mind about networking. How much money did we put on this? So as you've heard, interviewing for jobs, it can be like dating. And networking, it's just about making friends. And just like dating and making friends, it's all complicated and messy, but also exciting and fun. And it's okay to have a lot of feelings about it. It's okay to be nervous. But try to think about every job interview like a 30-minute one-on-one mentoring session with a person currently working in the industry who has tons of knowledge. It's an opportunity. This way, even if you don't get the job, you've networked and learned from them, which will make you better prepared for your next job interview. The thing that I love most about working in tech is that it's taught me to truly embrace the iterative nature of everything. We roll out new versions of our classes and website constantly, trying tiny tweaks here and big changes there to see what works best. Treat the job hunt. Heck, treat your entire career exactly the same way. Something that you can test and refine until you find the perfect fit. You always start small. Everyone always starts small. Maybe you're starting with absolutely zero marketable skills. I honestly doubt that that's true, but even if it is true, that's totally okay. Just start looking at jobs you're interested in and use the job listings as your guide for what to learn. Maybe you go to a job interview and realize halfway through that you're in no way qualified for the job. That's totally okay too. Just make sure you leave the interview understanding what it would take to be qualified and then use that information to make a game plan. Maybe you don't know a single person in the industry you want to go into. And guess what? That too is totally okay. Yes. You've got your networking work cut out for you, but as you've heard, it's not as difficult as you probably thought. We're all one iterative work in progress. And don't think about that like it means you're not good enough. Think about it as keeping things fun. Trying new things and getting better is never boring. So go out there and start applying. You've totally got this. We're produced by me, Haley Wolf and Julia Sunshine. 
or edited, and our music is composed by Arlen Ginsberg. Our art is by Mona Lisa Cabos. Huge thanks to Amy Lisa Jackson from Glassdoor for walking us through the interview process. And you can get more of her critical tips at skillcrush.com slash new job. Jen Desura somehow convinced Julia that networking can be fun. And she has an amazing online store with patriarchy smashing products over at shop.getbullish.com. I'm going to use the money I won off that networking bet to treat myself and do some holiday shopping. Shout out to our whole crew at Skill Crush, especially to Laura and Libby, who work so hard as career counselors to our students. We love you. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and please leave us a review. We read every single one. We also want to let you know that we make so much more content that can help you move forward in your career. Whether you're a total tech newbie or navigating your new skills on the job market, come hang out with us at skillcrush.com slash blog for articles, worksheets, guides, and even comics. Our newsletter is awesome, so be sure to sign up. We're taking a break for the holidays, but we'll be back with all new episodes in January. Thanks for closing out 2017 with us, and we'll see you next year. Thank you.